Well, good morning, church. Hope you are having a great weekend. Hope you are ready to open up your Bibles. We're going back to Old Testament. So grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, we've got some on the back. Um, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, somebody asked me earlier, and I, it's a good, I need to remind every now and then, because I know some of you maybe are visiting for the first time. I read from a New Living Translation. I study out of different texts, obviously checking Greek, Hebrew, reading different versions. But when I read up front, I usually read out of the New Living Translation. It's an easier read to understand. And so those are the Bibles that we have in the back, what I'll put on the screen. And uh, hopefully you're able to follow along. But as you're turning to 1 Kings chapter 17, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever had that moment when you begin to wonder, God, can I trust you? I'm just sort of seriously think about this. I mean, we know we can trust God. We know that, right? But we're pursuing this righteous life that we've talked about, and we're chasing after God, and we're trying to live out our faith. and, And then we have those moments in our life, maybe when something happens, and we say, God, can I trust you? Maybe you've had moments of isolation or loneliness, Maybe sickness, maybe a recent visit to the hospital. Maybe things aren't the greatest at home between you and your spouse, or there's tension between you and the kids, or there's things going on at work. There's just something happens. And, and you, you sort of sit there and think, Hey, God, can I trust you on this one? And it's like the devil wants to just plant that, just a little seed of doubt in your mind. To sort of like make you cause to think like, I don't know. I don't. And as a, as a believer in Christ, it's not that we've lost faith. It's not like, I'm, 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 up, I'm done with this God thing. You're still strong in your faith, but you have that moment. Then you might even start beating yourself up thinking, uh-oh, I'm a Christian and, I'm, and I have a little bit of doubt. Is this wrong? Am I, am I still going to go to heaven? Do I, I'll pray that prayer again and again, right? Because... It happens even to the strongest of those who believe in Christ that we still have those moments of doubt. You know, it just just happens. You say, it's sort of of like this. You're driving down the road, you got your GPS, and you know where you're going, but you sort of, as you're driving, you're going, am I sure I'm going in the right direction? I mean, I I know what this is, but it doesn't feel like it. You know what I'm saying? You been there? Maybe you're wondering why God picked you for a certain ministry that you're serving in or a position of leadership or maybe you're helping in in a ministry somewhere. It's like, why am I leading this Bible study? Why am I a part of this ministry? Why am I engaged and involved in this? I mean, why'd you pick me, God? Because, I mean, there's so many other people qualified or somebody else could be doing this. And, you know, in my life, God, you can see what's going on. I really don't think I should be the one doing this, right? With all that, Going on now, you've got your mind on 20 different places, right? The question I come back to is, can you trust God? Can you trust God? You know, this past week, I was, uh, I was supposed to be out of, out of town for three days. It ended up being two or three. It, was, it sort of got, a lot of stuff happened, okay? Um, before I could even get out the door and on my way, we had a few challenges in our family, health issues, multiple vehicles, not one vehicle breaking down, but multiple vehicles breaking down. And finally, I 
get settled and get everything under control, at least the thought. I arrived at my destination. I pulled into the hotel, get out, grab my stuff. I'm going in, and, and the gentleman behind the desk looks at me and goes, do you have a reservation? I'm thinking, yes, sir. And he goes, if you want your money back now and you don't want to check in, that's fine. And I'm going, that's a warm welcome. He's like, Usually it's like, would you like a mint or a candy? And welcome, here's all, thanks for being one of our choice members, whatever. You know, but no, it was like, if you want to check out now, you can. I'll give you your money back. And I'm, I didn't say anything. I just sort of looked at him like, you know, what? And he goes, he went on to say, our hotel just got struck by lightning and we have no hot water. And I'm going, like, dude, give me the key. This is par for the course for me. I'm, I'm, I'm good with this. This is just another day in the life of Rex Stump, right? So it's, it's all good. You know, I, I've woken up on the mountain and taken a dip in a cold river. And it's a, yeah, it, it was a cold shower the next morning. I will say that. They said the part was coming from Texas. He'll be here within hours. I'm going, you just ordered the part. The hotel just got struck by lightning. So it's going to take more than a few hours to get that part from Texas. So give me my key. I'm good, right? Well, I was just sitting there thinking about it. It's like, uh, that's my life. Life is a journey. You just keep going. Some people have that, this is my word for the year. There's actually a couple good books out there that talk about having your word for this year. I'm focusing on this is my word. I've had the same word for like 20 plus years. I mean, it's been like perseverance, keep going, don't give up, right? And it's, I'm not changing that word. but So I, I got the first Kings. And I thought, I need to share this, this, this passage with you because I needed to have it shared with me this week. So now I'm going to turn around and just give it right back to you. So 1 Kings chapter 17. Let me give you a backdrop. Times were tough for the nation of Israel. Um, God's people were going through difficult times. The nation of Israel split into two kingdoms. There's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Israel and Judah. And they had basically all the people of God were like, we're done with God. We want an earthly king like all those other nations have. So they started bringing in kings and uh, it was like 19 kings in a row. One did evil after the other. Matter of fact, if you were to go back and read the previous 16 chapters, you're going to read this phrase where it says, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. But he did what just multiply that times 19. Okay. And it just kept happening over and over again. The kings would choose to do their own thing. And because the kings were choosing the evil life, guess what happens to the people? The people chose an evil life as well. They were far from God. So God's like, I'm going to send my prophets just to give you guys some warnings. Uh, bad times are coming, but they'll be followed by a time of hope and restoration. But Elijah was the first of many prophets to come. The economy here is agricultural. Everything depends on what's growing out in the field. If the crops are good, life is good. If there's no crops, nothing is good. And they worshiped a God called Baal. Baal was the God of rain and harvest. And so you want good crops, you pray to Baal, you worship Baal. And that's what these people did. And in this chapter, an unlikely person comes along. That's what God does, by the way. He picks those who are unlikely. And it's Elijah. Well, he was great. He didn't start out great. Okay. He was unlikely, unknown. God picks him. He comes in to the king. And let's read this together. We're going to start in chapter 17, starting in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 16. It says this, Now Elijah, who was from Tish in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord... By the way, Ahab was one of the most wicked 
kings, and he also had the queen Jezebel. You know, you've always been heard Jezebel is like a very like wicked queen as well. And I don't know if you know this, but not a lot of people name their kids Jezebel. There's a reason why. And if you have a child Jezebel or relative Jezebel, sorry, no one. I'm just going to keep going here. All right. As surely as the Lord of God of Israel lives, the God whom I worship and serve, there'll be no dew or rain during the next few years unless I give the word. Verse 2. The Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kirith Brook at a place of the east where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook. Eat from what the ravens bring you. For I've commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him, and he camped besides Kirith Brook. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening and drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up and there was no rainfall anywhere in Israel. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. There is a widow there who will feed you and I will give her my instructions. So he went to Zarephath and he arrived at the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a cup of water? As she was going to get it, he said, and bring me a bite of bread to eat too. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God, not her God, your God. He said, she said, I don't have a single piece of bread in my house. And I only have a handful of flour left in a jar and just a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. I was gathering a few sticks right now just to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead, cook that last meal. But bake me a little loaf of bread first. Afterward, there will still be enough food for you and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will be plenty of flour and oil left in your container until the time when the Lord sends rains and crops to grow again. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her son continued to eat from the supply of flour and oil for many days. For no matter how much they used, there was always enough left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, I was thinking, as I'm reading through this chapter, you sort of begin here, and we see that God calls out Elijah to go to this other evil, wicked king who worships another god that provides water and great crops. And he stands before this wicked, evil king. You know, first of all, to get in front of the king is hard to do. But once you are called and you're able to step in front of the king, usually you would bow, you would say something nice, you'd give him a gift. Elijah stands and says, hey, as surely as my God lives, hesitation there and a little thought like, because your God is dead, there's not going to be any rain for the next few years until I say so. See ya. <laughs> drops the mic and walks off, right? It's like exit stage right. And I'm sitting there thinking about that took guts. That took courage. You're going to stand before the king and tell him, first of all, hey, king, I know you are in power, but you're not. My God's in power. Your God doesn't exist. And I'm going to tell you who's going to control the rain around here. And then he walks out. And I was thinking about this. One of the things we learn about obedience, and when you trust God, obedience takes courage. You know, I talked to you about, like, there's a lot of tough times and things going on in our lives. What do you do? Well, trust God, trust God, trust God. First thing you need to understand about trusting God, it takes courage. It's like, it's hard to trust God. Exactly. It takes courage. It takes strength. 
And we see it here in Elijah. He's like, God told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. I've got courage. He delivers this message, and then he exits, and boom, he is out of there. He leaves. God says, give a message, then leave. I did it. And then he went off to this unlikely place, a little brook, and it says, oh yeah, by the way, go hide there. Did you catch that? God says, go hide by the brook. Elijah's like, thank you, because I just told off the king. I think I do need to hide, because he's got a big army, a massive army. And, but here's the thing. He's going there. It's going to be a time of isolation. I know you're a prophet, Elijah. I know you've been raised up to talk to masses and crowds, to stand before kings. But you need to get by, quiet by yourself. Get into some isolation. And then, oh, by the way, I'm eventually going to send you. He doesn't tell me yet, but I'm going to send you off to a widow. She's needy. But I'm going to send you there too. I'm going to send you two places you did not expect me to send you when you start trusting me. So Elijah listens. He trusts. He obeys God. doesn't make sense. And I sort of sit there and think, well, how many of us are good at trusting God? I mean, really, when it comes down to it, how many of us are good at trusting God? Because usually the way it works, you look on the screen, it says, we go like this, hey, God, what do you want? We ask God what he wants first, and then we're like, okay, yes, Lord. In this situation, Elijah's like, yes, Lord, here's what I want you to do. See, we've got it reversed today. We want to know what God wants of us, then we say yes. It's like somebody says something to you like, hey, you know, I really feel like you'd be great at this. Let me pray about it. Let me ask God if that's what he wants me to do. When somebody who's been praying about it comes to you and says, you know, and I know we need to weigh these things out. I get it. But a lot of times we like, mm, I want to, I want God to tell me what to do or at least bring it to me. And then I'll think about it and then give my yes, Lord. Elijah's like, yes, Lord. What do you want me to do? See, when you trust God, you've got to flip the script on this. You've got to reverse it. You've got to say, if I really trust you, God, then it's a yes. Now tell me what you want me to do. That's the way it should be. But it's hard for us, right? Well, Elijah obeys. He goes through this brook. He drinks from the, the stream. And the ravens bring him food. Ooh, that's a tough one, by the way. Because the ravens are dirty birds. They're unclean. People of God are not supposed to touch unclean animals, unclean things, Right? And, and you're going to let this unclean bird bring you food? Oh, and by the way, that's the way God provides. Sometimes he provides in ways that we would never thought of. And if you go back to Moses and the children of Israel, what did they got? They got banned in the morning. They got bread in the morning, right? Elijah, he got bread and meat in the morning and night. He's like a double proportion here. God's like, I've got you. If I can take care of Moses, think I can take care of you? I'm bringing choice. I'm bringing through a dirty bird, by the way. Just eat up. But I'm reading along here. Check this out. It goes on to say in verse 7, is that eventually this river dries up. After a while, the brook dried up. There was no rainfall anywhere in the land. You know, I could say, let me hear you say, duh. <laughs> because if God dries up a brook, there's a reason, right? Didn't he, just t- didn't he not just stand before the king and say, there's not going to be any rain in the land? Do I say so? If there's no water coming down, there's no water that's going to be flowing. It's eventually going to dry up. And everyone, not just the ungodly, but the godly as well are going to be affected by this. Doesn't that make sense? You know, a lot of times I hear people say, we need to pray for judgment on this nation. Let me tell you something. You praying for judgment on this nation, you will be judged too. 
So you're a part of this nation, right? You want the United States to get right? Guess what? That means you're going to have to get right too. And as he's praying here and he says, everybody's going to be affected, that includes Elijah as well. Remember, he said this, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there'll be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. What he proclaimed, he himself felt. And during that difficult time, what did God do? God provided a way. The brook dried up. (laughs) Do you think he sat there and said, God, I'm a faithful servant of yours. Why are you drying this up in my life? I've served you wholeheartedly. And now you're taking this away from me? Have you ever felt that way before? Has you ever ever felt like he's left you alone? It's like, God, you promised never to leave me, but I feel like you have left me alone. The God who gives water, listen church, the God who gives water can also withhold water. That's his sovereign right. That is his, our human feelings tell us, well, whatever my heavenly father gives me, that's mine to keep. If he gives us water, he should never take it away. That just wouldn't be fair, right? If my God gives me a spouse, my God should not take away my spouse. If my God gives me a child, my God should not take away my child. If my God gives me a job, my God should not take away my job. Let me tell you something. It is his divine right to do whatever he wants to do. And that's hard at times because we think it belongs to us. Everything belongs to him. We're just stewards of it. And when we hit a tough spot, our tendency is to feel abandoned and hurt. And like, why did God do this? We become resentful and we, we think God must have forgotten me. On the contrary, that is it's not true. God loves you. Church, listen very carefully. To this. We had this little conversation. We were the worship team before we prayed this morning. It came up about, uh, and we actually sang it about, um, God's name being on his hand. And I think that's what we're saying, or maybe it's coming in the next song. But here's this verse, Isaiah 49, 15, 16. I said, guys, that's, in, that's sort of in the scripture today. It says this, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, God says this, I would not forget you. See, I've, I've written your name on the palms of my hand. And then we, 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 we talked about that in the worship team. Somebody said, that's a lot of names. And then somebody said, God's got a big hand, right? And then Greg started breaking out saying, he's got the whole world in his hands. It's like, no, 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 we could just keep going off of that, right? But, th- but here's the point. God's not forgotten you. Yeah, the river dried up, but it dried up for a reason. And he did not forget Elijah. Something has dried up in your life. He has not forgotten you. Do not give up. Trust God in those moments when you are feeling isolated, alone, and all dried up. Because he's got something next for you. We check out what happens here. You got to take a step. You got to take that first step. He's like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. God said, I want you to go to Zarephath. It's like, all right. So he starts going. Again, he's got to take steps. I heard one author say that basically this, having faith is the step between promise and sureness. Whatever is sure to happen and whatever God has promised, you know what's in between? Our steps of obedience. You can't be there until you go there. In verses 8 and 9, God tells him, this is where you're going next. In verse 10, we read, so he went 
And here's the thing. God was always ahead of Elijah. He's like, I want you to go to Zarephath now. You know what? God's already there. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Whatever your problems are for tomorrow, God's already been there. He's already seen it. He already knows. He was there yesterday. He is here with you right now. He's ahead of you one step. Matter of fact, he's a lot of steps ahead of us. And what might take you and I by surprise, God already knows. He's already got this. Elijah travels to this land of opposition as he's going, by the way. This is Baal territory. And here's this man of God walking through unfamiliar territory. And he's going into a, a place of neediness. And I was thinking about this, you know, God told him to go. He never told him what would happen when he got there. And again, but that's obedience. Yes, Lord. What do you want me to do? It wasn't, this is, this, and this is what's going to happen this time? Okay, I'm in. No. Yes, Lord. He goes. Once Elijah arrives, what happened? The ravens fed him. Oh, that's how you're going to provide? I'll take it, Lord. It's coming from a dirty bird. And then he says, go again. So he goes and he arrives and there's a widow there. You want a widow to take care of me? First of all, you got an unclean bird and then a widow. See, widows were to be taken care of, not to take care of you. In biblical times, a widow, she was a needy one. She was the one without an, uh, an income. She was the one that had things that she couldn't take care of for herself. She needed other people, the community, to come in and take care of that widow. And now a man of God goes to the widow and says, you're going to take care of me. I know it's crazy, but my God told me to do this. Trust me, I would not do this on my own. But this is what I'm supposed to do, right? I don't know if you had that conversation, but as what we read, he walks up and just says, can you give me something to drink? Oh, can you give me something to eat? And you remember what she said? Now remember, this, this woman lives in Baal territory. She's not a believer of the God of Elijah. She's a follower probably of Baal. And here's this godly man coming in. And what does he say? Give me something to eat, right? What does she say? I only have a handful of flour left in a jar. A little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. And here's the thing. There's a shortage going on here. Do you ever realize that whenever there's a shortage, God shows up? I just read through the Bible like, well, they were lacking here. They were short here. And God's like, that's because that's I'm coming next, right? Feeding 5,000. How are you going to feed 5,000 with a handful of fish and a handful of bread? Because Jesus shows up. That's just the way it works. So whenever there's a shortage, there's no shortage. It's just prime time for God to be there, right? So God's going to show up here and you just sort of feel it's going to happen, right? And I had to think about this. How has God provided for me lately? How has he provided for you lately? I know Thanksgiving's right around the corner. I know if you go to Hobby Lobby, Christmas is around the corner. But do not forget Thanksgiving, okay? So we haven't got past Halloween yet. I know. But at Thanksgiving, we're all thankful and we're sharing all these things we're thankful for. But how has God provided for you? Why don't you share that around the table today? Now, I was thinking about this. I work for also for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. One of the things I do is help our volunteers in schools start up Bible studies, our teachers, our coaches. How can we help get Jesus in the school? And there's some schools in our area. I cover like six counties. There's some schools that do not have FCA, do not have a huddle. I've been praying, God, how do we get you into these schools? We need a teacher over here. We need a, a coach over there. I've been praying about this, and this week, or this month, I've had two come to me and say, hey, I want to I help in this school. I, I call that answer prayer. I call that God providing. Matter of fact, look up on the screen. It says this. 
this actually came from an, um, a huddle leader. I, I reached out to her and said, I've been praying for somebody in the school. Your name came up. Check out what she said. This is actually something God has laid on my heart over the last year. I wasn't sure how it would get started. Yes, I want to be available for students to have a place to meet and grow spiritually. Please let me know what the next steps are so we can get going forward. That's the answer prayer. That's how God provides. When there's a shortage, God's like, there's no shortage. I got somebody. Just trust me. Just trust me. I know we get discouraged, but listen, that's where God meets us. In discouraging times, he meets us there. We don't know how long Elijah was fed by the ravens. We don't. We don't know how long uh, they kept up eating uh, bread with the widow. We don't. All we know is in James 5, 17, it says that Elijah had prayed after three and a half years. Three and a half. I can't even put the half finger up there. Three and a half years, it finally rained. How long are you going to receive bread from a bird? How long are you going to let... A widow help you. It's got to be discouraging, right? It's a long time. I was thinking about Noah and the ark. I just shared with the soccer team the other day. 120 years. 120 years it took Noah to build that ark. Think about that. It's just you and your boys. We're going to build a boat in the middle of nowhere. This thing is huge. You ever sit by the railroad tracks out there and count cars? I mean, there's plenty of railroad tracks for you to get stuck at. Okay? And you count the cars as they go by. And after about 52, you lose track. Kids don't even do that anymore. They just pull out their phones. They play a game while they're waiting. They don't even count train cars anymore. But could you imagine counting 569 boxcars? 561, 560. 569. That's how many boxcars you could fit on Noah's Ark. If the average size of an animal was that of a goat, we talk about 120,000 animals. The Washington National Zoo, 12,000 animals there, 400 different species. You could put 60 national zoos on the Ark. That's a big boat. And it took 120 years. You think Noah, everyone, like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Elijah's like, three and a half years. Not even close to 120. Elijah's like, what do you want me to do, God? Hang around here? Yep. Galatians 6, 9. I love this scripture. So let's not get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. We want to trust God, but sometimes it's so hard. I just want to give up. Like, don't give up. Keep trusting Keep trusting. I get it. Here's the thing. Either you believe in God's power and supply or you don't. If you believe in God's power and supply, you will keep going. And if you don't, again, you're going to go back to the very beginning of the message where I said, does that mean if I'm doubting, I'm not a Christian anymore? No, you're still a Christian. You're just human. And you just got to remind yourself of the scripture. Well, things have been good, then suddenly tragic strikes. Look at verse 17. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Then she said to Elijah, Oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Oh, Elijah's got to be thinking, What's going on? This widow, this poor lady, she's like in his face. It's your fault, man of God. Did you come here to point out my sins? Make me feel guilty? Did you come here to kill my son to bring sorrow upon me? I'm going to blame you. You're the religious man. I'm going to blame God. I'm going to blame the church. I'm going to blame anybody who goes to church. Because it's all you religious people that bring the harm to our life, right? She had to blame somebody. So who's in front of her? 
a man of God. So let's blame the man of God. What does Elijah do? I love Elijah. Elijah's like, he doesn't say anything. That's a, that's a proper thing to do. When you don't know what to say in somebody's life, somebody's life has been turned upside down, and we all want to say the right thing. Sometimes the right thing is to say nothing and just look at him and just nod your head like, praying for me. You know what Elijah did? Elijah says, give me your son, and she takes, she takes her burden. She takes her son, and he carries him upstairs. He gets upstairs. Let's read what it goes on. Verse 19. Elijah replied, give me your son. He took the child's body from her arms, carried him up to the stairs room where he was staying, and laid the body on the bed. Elijah cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to the widow who has opened her home to me? Causing her son to die. It's like he's, he gets to that point. He's like, God, I'm just trusting you. I'm just being obedient. You told me to go by a brook and hide. I hid. Birds fed me. You told me to come to this widow's house. I came. I told her to cook me food when it was her last meal. But you've provided. And now her son dies. What am I supposed to do with this? This is the point where the story gets a little weird. This is the point that someday, if I, when, I, when, I, when I get to heaven, I've got all kinds of people. You know, I was talking, I think it was with Josh last night, where he said, you know, when you get to heaven, you think there's going to be like, like, Elijah's over here, Jesus is here, Mary's here, Paul's over there, Moses is like, hey, uh, see, I, my first question is, uh, well, I want to ask Moses. Hey, I'm going to get in line over here. What's it going to be like? You know, we're going to have these conversations with, with all these men and women of faith. And, and where do we go first? And who are we going to ask? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm eventually going to find Elijah. I don't know how this all goes down, but I want to find Elijah. Elijah, how did you know what to do next? I mean, dude, what you did was weird. When you read this, you're going to be like, he did what? Because back in this time, please understand this. This is before Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. This is before Jesus raised anybody else from the dead. This is before anywhere else in Scripture we see somebody being resurrected alive. All we know is they're dead, they're dead. Look what Elijah does. Verse 21. He stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. And Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to the mother to look, your son is alive. I told you it got weird. I mean, seriously, I'm thinking, Elijah, you like you laid over this child. Were you laying on top of him? Were you laying or you stretched out over him? I mean, child services walks in, and you're like on a kid, and they're, they're like, uh, you're, you're, you're busted, man, right? I mean, what, what caused you to do that? I don't know. But here's what I do know. I see Jesus here. He stretched himself out over the dead body. Just as Jesus stretched himself out over all of us who are dead in our sins. And he prayed to his heavenly father. Three times. How many days was he in the tomb? Three days. And then... There was resurrection. And he carried the son down the steps to the mom and said, your son is alive. Just as our heavenly father, after three days, brought Jesus out of the tomb and brought him to everybody else and said, my son is alive. I tell you, anywhere you look in the Old Testament, you will find Jesus Christ. And maybe that's why Elijah did it this way. Because he just said, I'm just giving you a glimpse of what my heavenly father is going to do with his holy son. 
I have to admit that that whole scene is a little weird, but awesome with what he did, with how it all came about. When the woman, look at the next verse, when the woman told Elijah, then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure you're a man of God and that the Lord really speaks through you. See, before he was Elijah from Tish. Now he's Elijah, a man of God. He was not known from where he came from, didn't know much about him, right? But now his identity is forged in the reflection of Jesus Christ. As we pursue Jesus Christ, and I encourage you, keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. Do not give up. As you do, your life will be forged. Your life will be changed. You will go through some tough situations. But as you do, you will come out as a man of God or as a woman of God. And people will recognize that. Worship team, would you come forward, please? You know, everybody knows about, if, if you're a fan of this, and I've been waiting for Brian to preach this, uh, 1 Kings 18 is about the, the big showdown on Mount Carmel. I mean, it's a great scripture. It's like Elijah's going to meet 500 prophets of Baal, and there's a big fire, and there's a big showdown. It's pretty awesome, right? It's like, this is, you talk about, it's like the Super Bowl victories, right? But before anything big ever happens, you realize you've got to take care of the small stuff. This chapter comes right before that big showdown. I think God needed to say, I've got something else big coming your way, but before you do, just trust me in these small things. Over the next few years, just trust me. Walk with me. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. Do you believe me or not? I think he asked us the same thing. Church, do you trust God or not? I hope you do. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, today is a great day to place your faith in Jesus Christ. If you trust God, you've already placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and he's like, but I, I know you've been wanting me to do something, but I keep saying no. And Rex keeps talking up there about being obedient and trusting, and maybe today's the day, yeah. Because here's the thing, God is still searching for people who will make a difference. He's not looking at you and saying, I need to see your resume. I need to see your background. Well, I'm doing a background check. You know, a couple years ago when you did that, God's already forgiven you of that. And you say, but I, really, why me? Why'd you pick me? Really? Where's Elijah from? Anybody remember? Tishb, right? Maybe we can't even pronounce it correctly. You know where that's located? Not at all. Just like when you're on vacation, you go somewhere and say, hey, where are you from? I'm from Wasion. Wasion, what? How do you spell it? Well, you know, I'm right next to Pettisville. Petta, huh? Near Delta? No idea. What are you talking about? Um, near Toledo. Oh, yeah. Down by Columbus? No. Northwest Ohio, buddy. It's up here somewhere, okay? It's, it, nobody knows where we're from. And we sometimes we take that like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really from nowhere. I'm not really significant. And God's like, what are you talking about? Elijah's from Tish. Nobody knew what that was. Elijah didn't start out this man of God. He just was known from where he was from. But he became a man of God, just like he wants to bring us men and women into a process of purity and change and growth. Would you stand, please? God may be asking you right now to stand for him, to stand up for what is maybe wrong where you're at in their life. And it's like, it's time for me to stand up and start doing the right thing. And that's going to take courage. You got to trust him. God might be asking you to start serving somewhere. And, and so it's sort of like, God, I trust you. God might be asking you just to spend a little bit of time of isolation to make sure you and him are right and that you're trusting him for everything. Are you ready to say yes? 
before he tells you what. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us, a day in which we can be reminded that we need to surrender to you. God, sometimes we're just running everywhere and we've, we've never slowed down long enough for you to, to sort of give us the instruction we need to hear. So God, speak to us. Tell us what it is that we need to hear. Help us to trust you. When things seem odd or seem weird, probably something amazing is about ready to happen. So God, I thank you for this church. I pray, Lord, for this church body that's here, those that are listening, for those that might be struggling with a, a place that they're at right now and not understanding, I don't know why I'm here in this spot in my life right now, but I just pray they trust you. Lord, would you just, if you have to, whisper into their ear, if you have to, shout into their ear, but let them know that you have not abandoned them, that you are with them, that you're with us, and we just need to trust you. God, you're amazing. We want to sing to you now, Lord. In thy name we pray. Amen.